Welcome to Freedom. It's good to see you here and to those of you who are joining us online. We are so glad to have you be a part of uh, worship in that way. Well, congratulations. Uh, You made it through 2020. If you can survive five more days, we have endured the year that was uh, 2020. And uh, everybody's been holding their breath for the turning of the calendar. Everybody's been wishing to put 2020 behind them. But I don't want us to end this year without pausing to just say, in spite of all the difficulty, it has been a year where what we just sang has been proven. The Lord reigns, and the Lord's kingdom agenda marches forward, unchecked by pandemics and political and racial upheaval and turmoil. The Lord reigns, and His reign continues to be extended. As you know, we are one church that exists on two continents, and uh, I'm just going to continue to share with you what God is doing in the part of Freedom Church that you don't see every week. I got an update this week from Pastor Isaiah as to what's been going on on the Nigerian campus. This is a a campus that did not exist seven months ago, and it is mind-boggling what's happening. You know, they had their first uh, baptism down at the river at the beginning of this month, the first group of 26 adults that have gone through several months of discipleship, prepared for baptism. And following that, Isaiah said, let's just invite our neighbors to come for just a Thanksgiving worship time on Sunday. And uh, lo and behold, the house, the church house was completely filled, as you can see. They had to put up tents outside to contain the overflow crowd of people who showed up for worship last Sunday. And as they worshiped, the power of the Lord just showed up doing miraculous things. There was a that they allowed people to get up and share testimonies of what God had been doing and what he actually did last Sunday in worship. And some of the testimonies were so moving. There was a, a child in the service Sunday who had never been able to walk, never taken a step in his life. And as they worshiped together, the power of the Lord touched him and healed him. And he began to walk around in the worship room. The mom stepped up and declared, this was a quote from the mom, the God of Freedom Church is the living God. Another woman got up and testified. She said that recently her home had been struck by lightning and it was a a severe strike and four of the children were hit. And in her words, that they they lay lifeless as the house began to, to go up in flames. And just in desperation, she just began to cry out the name of Jesus and all four children rose up. She said they came back to life and that all of the children were saved in that. And I, I want to, I'm going to share the quote that she said when she testified, and, and then I'm going to offer a, a thought on that. But her testimony was, she said, I'm here to say that the God of Mark Price raises the dead. I read that quote and was, and was really uncomfortable with that because I don't ever, I, I'm really, really cautious at the thought of ever sharing in God's glory. And I'm like, oh, they don't need to say it that way. And I felt the Holy Spirit really put a check in my spirit about that. So you need to rewind and chew on that for a minute. Now, I really have have chewed on that this week. And what I've heard the Spirit saying is you need to understand what these people are doing. They are in an environment where there are all these competing systems that are saying, this is God, Allah is God, where all these tribal religions are saying, no, this is God, and where Freedom Church is saying, 
No, this is the one true God who has revealed himself in Jesus. And when they say, that, I mean, they don't know me. They, they just know me as their senior pastor, never met me. But when somebody stands up and says, Freedom Church is God or Mark Price is God, is the God who raises the dead, they are simply trying to attach something that they can identify with. And what I heard the Holy Spirit saying this week is, you need to understand the world around you is watching every single one of you. And saying, what is Becky Hedgepath's God like? What is Forrest Biko's God like? Is he the God who raises the dead? Is he the God that causes lame children to rise up and walk? What kind of God have we come here to honor today? As our leadership team was gathered this morning in prayer, Tony was bringing the issue up. He said, what are we expecting when we get together? Do we have a little God in a little box that we expect to do a little thing, maybe just sort of get us through another week, maybe sort of just lift our spirits a little bit this week? Are we expecting the God of Freedom Church to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who revealed himself in Jesus, who does raise the dead, and who does set free people who are in bondage and who just can't get any better, and yet God shows up and changes their lives? Do we serve that God? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And we need to be reminded of that. When they gathered in Nigeria last Sunday, seven new people came to faith in Jesus as the church assembled and worshipped. That's the God that we serve, the God who saves the lost, heals the sick, raises the dead, who frees people who are in bondage and who binds up the brokenhearted. And that is the God we've come to honor here today. I want us to just pause and, and pray, and I want us to pray specifically for the work that's happening in Nigeria, but I want us to pray for ourselves. The thing that I have become convinced of is this, that finally, what I have been praying for personally since I was 16 years old, that we would witness true revival happening, that we are beginning to see that in Nigeria, that we are seeing the leading edge of a truly spirit-led, God-empowered revival that God would fan the flames of revival in Nigeria and that it would spill back over onto us. We, we always imagine that we need to send people to Africa to teach them how to do church. Friends, we need to go to Africa to, to learn from our brothers and sisters how to connect with what God is doing. Would you join me? I'm going to ask you, if you will, just to stand again in the presence of the Lord. This is not uh, an, an audience listening time. This is audience participation time. Would you just bow with me and would you just open your heart to the Lord? I'm going to ask you right now to do something that's maybe a little outside the norm for us on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to invite you. I don't care how loud or quietly you do this, but I'm going to invite you to just begin to pray aloud with me together. We need to get comfortable calling on the name of the Lord. We just want to call on the name of Jesus and invite a powerful move of his spirit among us and among the people of the church of Nigeria, would you just begin now to, to just call on the name of Jesus? Church, just begin to speak that name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, we honor you today. We worship you. Would you just begin to worship the name? Lord Jesus, we bless your name. We say hallelujah to you, crucified and risen King, Son of God. You do reign, and we give you honor in this place. And we pray, Lord Jesus, for a fresh outpouring of your sweet Holy Spirit. We pray for that here. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, specifically for Freedom Church, for God's Standard Bible Church, for 
sister churches throughout Nigeria, we pray for a sweeping move of your spirit, even as Islam right now is marshalling its forces to try and take Nigeria for Allah. We pray, O oh God, that you would stem that tide, and by the powerful work of your Holy Spirit, that you would bring revival that would transform a land and continue to reshape a continent. For the sake of your name, may your power and your renown be extended and on display in Nigeria. And, O oh God, we pray that you would let that spill over here into the U.S. Let it spill over right here in the central Gulf Coast region, not just in Freedom Church, but in sister churches all around us. May your name be honored. May the work of your Spirit that changes us be welcomed here among us. We say, Spirit of Jesus, come. Come and fill us. Come and live in us. Come and move among us. Raise the watermark of our expectations every time we gather for worship. We welcome your work. We'll rearrange the day, today or any day. We'll set aside what we've planned if you want to do something different. But you have your way among us. Bring glory to the Father and Son by what you do here today. And we pray it in the sweet, matchless name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Would you be seated? Well, today I'm going to just, uh, as we're approaching the start of the new year this week, I'm going to go ahead and jump into a series that is intentionally set up for the start of the new year. It's a series entitled Living with Margin. And I really hope that you'll track with us throughout the next month because I think this is going to be one of the most practical and helpful series of the entire year. One of the, the most common complaints that I've heard people over the years say, and I know you've heard the same thing too, is that people feel so overwhelmed, they feel so uh, rushed, so busy. It's like I, I never have enough time to get done everything that I need to get done. I never get caught up. I never get ahead financially. My schedule overwhelms me. And when it comes to the things that really matter the most, the things that we really do care about and long for, to have deep, intimate connection and time with our family and with our closest friends, time to really spend with the Lord, the things that matter the most seem to get crowded out. Can you identify with that? You know a lot of people who struggle like that. You feel that in your own life. Well, what we're going to press into in the next month is all about that. It's all about learning to build your life around the things that do matter the most. And I don't think we need a lesson today on what those things are. I think most of us have a pretty good sense of, of the people, the relationships, the opportunities that really do matter the most. The problem is not so much deciding what matters it's building your schedule, your budget, your plan, so that you spend your, your time, energy, and resources around what really does matter. And so that's what we're going to focus on. This is a very spiritual exercise, though at some level you may feel like, man, this almost feels like a, a course in you know, priorities and time management and budgeting. Well, it's going to touch on a lot of those things, and yet it is deeply spiritual because you're not going to learn to hear the voice of God you're not going to learn to press into a deep relationship with God if you don't reorient your life in some significant ways. Now, one of the interesting things that's happened in 2020 is it's like all of the pieces of our lives have been sort of rearranged. 
everybody's schedule seemingly has been significantly changed in 2020. And it's interesting. I know you've heard the same things that I have. There have really been sort of two responses to all of this in general by people. We all moan about the difficulties and the the challenges of 2020, and we don't want that repeated, and we hope when the calendar turns it'll suddenly be all better. But on the other hand, a lot of people have said, man, there's some stuff I've liked about 2020. People have really, a lot of people have enjoyed how it sort of forced us to, to cut some things out. We haven't been able to do a lot of things, and suddenly we've been forced into a place where we've had some margin. And while we're longing to return to normal, there has to be a part of our souls that's hoping that we don't just return to all of the old normal. And that's part of what we're going to press into today and in the coming month is let's use this as an opportunity to sort of reset and determine that whatever normal is that we go back to, it's not going to look like the past where we're going to live overtaxed, overwhelmed, and where our lives really do have some margin built into them. We start with Job 3.26. See if you can identify with this or if in the past you could. Job said this, I have no peace, I have no quiet, I have no rest, and trouble keeps coming. Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt that way? No peace, no quiet, no rest, lots of trouble. Nobody wants to go back to that. I mean, that is not at all what we want in the future. And this series is designed to help us make sure that is not the track that we're following. So as we start into this whole idea of learning to live with margin, what are we talking about? What is margin? Well, if you want to follow along in your outline, margin is the space between my load, that is my responsibilities, the things that I have to do, the the work that I've got to do, the job I've got to go to, the responsibilities I have at home, the financial commitments, the time commitments, my load versus my limits. Margin is how much space there is between those two things. Now, when you feel stressed out and worn out and like you never have an ability to catch up or get ahead is when your load and your limits are essentially the same. There is no margin. And what we're going to talk about is how to make sure there's a a good amount of space between these things. So four areas where we're going to talk about that you need to build margin in your life. The first one is physically you need margin, obviously, so that you don't live your whole life just worn out and unhealthy and always short with people. So we need physical margin. We need emotional margin. Otherwise, you won't handle temptation well. If you don't live with emotional margin in your life, the major things that you struggle with in terms of temptation are going to just knock you down over and over. And emotional margin is also going to leave you something that's going to allow you to invest in others in terms of ministry. Thirdly, a need for financial margin so that we're not always weighed down by debt and so that we actually have financial margin that lets us do a couple of things. It lets us invest in ministry and in the lives of others so that we really get to participate in kingdom work. But it also leaves us with some freedom to make some choices to do things that we would enjoy that would enrich life. And then the fourth area is just we need time margin. Otherwise, we're constantly stressed by running behind and feeling taxed. You know, everything you've ever gone to in your life, you arrived one of three ways, including church this morning. You showed up early or you showed up on time or you showed up late, right? That's your only three choices. And isn't it funny to notice And everybody who's here with a spouse or a family member can quickly identify what's true of yourself and what's true of your loved ones. We tend to fall in one of those three categories on a regular basis, don't we? The first category, 
the early arrivers. Let me tell you, Jackie is the president of that club. Her mama impressed it on her. You couldn't get it out of her if you tried. If she isn't 15 minutes early, she's late. And, I mean, it took me a while in marriage to, to get used to this because I am in the second category, and that is people who like to arrive on time. I hate to be late, but if I'm more than one or two minutes early, I feel like I wasted my time. I don't, I'm, I'm not one that naturally wants to arrive early. And so Jackie and I, boy, that, that's weird because she's always got to be there 15 minutes early or she feels stressed out. And then there's the third category, and that's the people who are chronically late. They don't set out to be late. They just end up being late. Here's the thing that you know, and, and by the way, do you know which of those three you are? Do you know which of those three you're seated next to? We do because we fit into one of those. The thing about the last two of those groups is we're stressed out. We're, we are, most of us are stressed out because we're running behind or because we want to be right on time, but we didn't leave margin. We all need margin when it comes to time as well. So when we talk about living with margin, we're talking about not using up all I have, but reserving some of my time, my energy, and my resources for enjoyment, for the unexpected, but ultimately so that we have room to participate in what God is doing. Now, just as a kicking off point today, I want to mention to you four benefits of living with margin. The first one is a healthier mind. If you don't build margin in, you're always running on adrenaline. And this is toxic. It, it literally, medically, is toxic for your body to always be having to live on an adrenaline rush. So you'll have a, a healthier body. We, we desperately uh, uh, are in need of this. It gives you a healthier mind, a healthier body. You have a healthier mind because you just have less worry and you have just more of a sense of peace and calm. You know, a race car, the, the Indy cars, the finest cars in the world can go 200 miles an hour, but they frequently have to take pit stops. And you, you can't do the repairs while you're going 200 miles an hour. Well, your mind and your body are going to need pit stops, things that you can't do going wide open. A third benefit is healthier relationships. Building in margin is going to give you time to listen to others, to actually enjoy others, to get your tank filled by others and by time alone with God. And then finally, living with margin leaves you available for God to use you. If, you. if you don't live with any margin in life, let's just be honest. You're not thinking about what God's up to. You're not spending time pressing into what the Lord has for you this week and pressing into new ministry opportunities because when there's no margin, you're just trying to survive, just trying to get through the next week. Margin makes us available for God to use us and for God to speak to us. I mean, tragically, if you're going wide open and God wants to say something to you and he tries to say something to you, he just gets a busy signal. I mean, you ever just pause to consider how many times God had something fresh that he wanted to do in your life, something fresh he wanted to speak into your life, and you just never had time all week to just slow down and be still and quiet enough to hear his voice. So we're talking about building margin for those things. So are you ready for less stress and less hurry, less strain, more peace, more joy, and more margin? Not a rhetorical question. Are you ready for that? Well, let's press into how to do that. Today is going to be an overview, and we're, in the next few weeks, we're going to really dive into each of the things that I'm going to mention, but I want you to get a big picture perspective today on what we're talking about. So I want to, in the next few minutes, share with you six parts of learning to live with margin, and the first one is this. 
you have to begin by learning to accept your human limitations. Realizing, I'm not Superman, I'm not God, and I have limits in life. We tend to think that the rules don't apply to us. That somehow we're going to get to stretch beyond what we should be able to, and it's not going to harm us, that we're somehow invincible. But the truth is, you can't just keep going. You're not just indestructible. You've got to have downtime to recharge. Psalm 119.26 says this, I have learned that everything has limits. Have you learned that about your life? Have you learned that there are limits to your energy? That there are limits to how much time you have? And there's limits to how much money you have to spend? That's just reality. Operating within those limits. And we tend to not believe that about ourselves. And part of it is because the culture has brainwashed us about this. I mean, you hear this all the time now. It's like the mantra of parents who are raising children today. You can do anything. You can be anything. I mean, haven't you heard this? This is the mantra of the culture. You can be anything. You can do anything. It's a lie. That is not the truth. I listen to my own family members passing that on to their children. And I want to go, why are you saying that? It's not true. I love Alabama football. I would have loved to have been the quarterback or the running back for the University of Alabama. It was never an option. This body wasn't going to get me there. No matter what I did, no matter how long I would have spent in the gym, that wasn't going to happen. This voice, let me tell you, it's never going to sing in the Metropolitan Opera. Not going to. That's right. You know that's right. It doesn't matter how long Tony spent training this voice. That would be wasted effort. I can't get there. There are certain things that you can't do. And until we come to grips with that, we get really jacked up thinking that, that limitations don't apply to us. God is the author of human limitations. He didn't, there are other religions that will teach that we are little gods. That is not Christianity. Christianity is not the faith that teaches you that you can do anything you want to. No, God can do anything. We can't. And when we ignore those limitations, we ignore them at our peril. And unfortunately, we don't tend to be really good at recognizing our own limits. We will overestimate our abilities. So let me point out four specific, it's the four that I already mentioned, but four specific kinds of limitations you'd better come to grips with if you're going to really learn to build in margin. First of all, just recognizing physical limitations. No matter how long I train, how much time I would go to the gym, I'll never be able to go down to the bay, jump in, and swim to Cuba. It isn't going to happen. This body won't do that. There are physical limits that we have to live with, and there are also energy limits. You know, energy management is actually as important or more important than time management because we all have the same amount of time, but we don't all have the same amount of energy. So we're going to go back and touch on that in a future week. The second one is emotional limits. It's a very important thing to to begin to get your head around. It's hard to quantify, but this is an important deal. There is a limit to the amount of, of emotion and emotional energy that you bring to a situation, particularly into relationships. Now, we understand this physically, how this works. So let's use that as an analogy. Suppose this afternoon you go for a walk in the woods with a family member or a friend, and you, you go pretty far in, you get a mile or more in, and your friend or family member 
gets in terrible physical distress. They, they have some kind of heart event or something happens that they fall out. And now it's up to you to drag them out to safety. You've got to drag them all the way back to the car. You've got to load them up. You've got to get them to the hospital. You've got to haul them into the ER. If you're with a friend or family member and that happens and it's on you, can you get them there? Well, in an extreme situation, you probably can. You probably have enough strength and energy that you could get one person out and in a car and into the hospital. I bet you could. But what if there were two? Could you do that with two people? Could you haul two people a mile out of the woods, load them up, get them in? Could you do it with three? Could you do it with five? Could you do it with ten? I mean, by this time, we're all going, no, nobody could do that. It would take a superman to do that. That's exactly right. You couldn't. You understand your physical limits that you could not make that happen. Well, I want to tell you the same is true emotionally. Just as you physically have limitations, your strength would not allow you to do this for an unlimited number of people. You don't emotionally have the capacity to carry three, five, ten other people who emotionally are just sucking you dry. This is why in Celebrate Recovery, you don't get to sponsor ten people. You don't get to sponsor five people at a time. If you're going to sponsor somebody else, you need to be sponsoring one person or two people because we don't have unlimited time and emotional energy to pour into others. And in your life, whether you're in a recovery ministry or not, you don't have unlimited capacity to pour into others who are emotional vampires. You're going to have to learn to set limits because as much as we want to just help the whole world, you don't get to save the whole world. You don't get to be the, the emotional reserve that just pours into everybody else. So we have to learn some limits emotionally. We have to learn that we have mental limits, that we can only handle so much information. And we live with tremendous overload mentally. You realize that, don't you? I mean, we... We live at a time when we're overloaded in so many ways, but the amount of information that we take in through media, through the Internet, through social media, researchers right now are studying the, the damaging effects that that is having on us because we're just we're so overloaded and we, we think that we're multitasking, doing all these things at one time, and the truth of the matter is it's having a major impact on our ability to, to do relationships and to to function and even focus on things anymore. We have mental limitations, and then finally we have time limitations. Job 14.5 says, Our time is limited. You've only given us so many months to live and have set limits that we cannot go beyond. You're only going to get 24 hours in a day. You're only going to get 168 hours in a week, and we, we are going to have to build a plan that takes into account we only have so much time. We only have so much time on earth, but we only have so much time in a day and a week. What we need is, is some kind of warning system. I mean, don't you love that your cell phone, I've got an iPhone, but I assume other types of phones do similar things. Don't you love that, you, that your phone tells you, it warns you when the battery's running low? Every evening I get that signal. First of all, it tells me you're at 20% which is the warning. I, I always look at the time when it tells me that. I'm, I'm trying to calculate, do I have enough battery left to get me through the rest of the day and the night, or am I going to have to recharge to even make it through? Let you know when you're getting you know, 10%, 1%. Don't you wish that there was some kind of red light that went off on your body or in your mind 
to, to warn you you're approaching your limits. You're at 20%, John. You're at 10%. You, you better, better call time out. You need some recharge because you're running low. Did you realize God has actually given you those? He has given you warning lights that tell you that you are down to very little reserve that's left. You want to know what some of them are? I've made, I made a list of several of them. Here's some of your warning lights. Pain is one of the warning lights. Fatigue is a warning light. Stress, that's a major one. But here are some others. Impatience and irritability. Did you realize that those are warning lights that you are running low? Apathy, loss of joy, and loss of enthusiasm. All of those are warning lights that you're at 10%. You're at 2%. You need to call time out. You need some margin. You need some rest and recharge time. So first of all, I've got to accept the limitations that I have. Secondly, learning to live with margin means I've got to ask myself what drives me to overload my life. This is about doing some honest evaluation as to why is it that I, I move at the pace that I do. And we're tempted to just say, well, it's just the way things are. I, I, I have to. This is what I have to do to get by. But that's, that's really a cop-out. We're in the future. We're going to press in on this question. But Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 4.8. He says, I saw a man who has no family, not a son, or even a brother. The point here is, this is not someone who has a lot of other people to take care of who are counting on him. But he continues to work very hard. He's never satisfied with what he has, and he works so hard that he never stops and asks himself, why am I working so hard? Why don't I let myself enjoy life? And Solomon says, this is also a very bad and senseless thing. What drives him to overload my life? We'll come back to that. Thirdly, learning to live with margin means that I have got to come to a place where I plan for and, and expect problems and delays. Isn't it silly that we operate so many times as if these things aren't going to happen? That we aren't going to run into problems. We aren't going to run into delays. If nothing else, life should teach us stuff's just going to happen. It's not going to go as smoothly as we wish that it would. Few things go as planned. There's going to be traffic. The appointment is going to run long. The doctor is not going to see you at the time that was appointed. We should have figured out by now this is going to be the case. The airlines have learned this. I mean, if you fly, you, you know that this is the case. If you're going to take a 50-minute flight, what's it going to show up as when you schedule it online? It's going to show up as at least a 90-minute flight, even though you're only in the air for 50 minutes. Why is that? Because the airlines know stuff happens. Delays happen consistently, so they just build in a plan for delays. Well, Jesus understood this in life. He said in John 16:33, in this world, you will have troubles. So why are we surprised when we have troubles, hiccups, and delays? Now, I am the eternal optimist. Jackie will tell you to a fault I am an optimist. I believe the best about people, but I also believe things are just going to work out. Sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes that'll trip you up. It is a foolish thing to be an optimist and to assume that everything's just going to flow as smoothly as it should. One of the things that has taught me this is trying to get to the airport. In my entire life, I've had blowouts two times ever. I'm talking about, you know, where you're going full speed down the highway and you have just a boom, a blowout. Two times that's happened to me. You know what I was doing both of those times? 
I was trying to get to the airport to catch a flight. It's not like I fly all the time. Both times on the way to the airport. One time I was leading a group where I'm taking 34 people with me to the airport to catch a flight. And we have a blowout. Now figure that one out. You've got to get 34 people another 50 or 60 miles down the road in a short span of time. That was a major hiccup. But the, really the bigger frustration was... I'm on the way from here to uh, Birmingham to catch a flight with some other pastors to go to a ministry venue and in uh, Orlando and I'm somewhere relatively close to Evergreen going 70 miles an hour up I-65 boom have a blowout well that's a terrible feeling too by the way scary managed to get off the road safely I'm thinking but I've got this under control I built extra time I built in margin I have time for a hiccup like this I've changed enough tires in my life I know what to do so Set the brake, get out the, the jack and the equipment, put it in position, take my my tire tool and go to you know break the all of the uh, lug nuts loose. Kid you not, I can't even break five lug nuts loose without destroying my tire tool. Snap the head off of my tire tool. Who can break a tire tool? Break? The, yeah, I, you're right, Forrest. I can. I break the head off of that. So now I'm thinking this is getting a little more challenging. I look at my cell phone to call for help. You know, there's just a couple of spots on I-65 where there is no cell phone service. I'm right smack in the middle of one of those. So now I've got a flat tire, no cell phone service, and no working tire tool. Now I'm starting to really cut into my margin. I'm thinking, what do I do? What do I do? I pull out my legal pad and pen, and I scribble just as big as I can. Need tire tool. And I stand out on the edge of I-65 with cars going by at 70 miles an hour going, need tire tool, need tire tool, need tire tool. Let me tell you, it takes a while before you can get somebody to stop on the interstate. Finally, somebody pulls off. They come over. They get out their tire tool. I don't know if they were metric and I was standard or vice versa, but it was one or the didn't fit. So they left. Do the same thing again and again and again. Get a second person to stop. Same deal. Theirs won't fit mine. Now, I mean, it's getting really late. I finally flagged down a third vehicle that they had the right size. So they come. They they take the help me take the tire off. I go to put my spare on. My spare is flat. Actually, it had just enough air that I had about an inch left between the rim and the road when I took it off the jack. So I crept down the road, made it to a gas station put the air in, and then on a donut, drove 85 miles an hour the rest of the way to Birmingham. I do not recommend that. I did a lot of praying from there to Birmingham. Should have never made it. Flight was delayed. Did, did catch the flight. But the point being, you've experienced your own version of that. Stuff is going to go wrong. It's not going to go as smoothly as we hope for. So we expect and plan for delays, and don't let those things just tie us up in knots because we don't expect it to always go perfectly. Proverbs 22.3 says this, Sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it, but an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. So part of lowering stress is building in margin and plan and a mindset that's going to be able to handle those things and not have it throw us off. The fourth principle is tied to the third, and that is, So we add buffer space in our schedules. This is unplanned time. It's being intentional that you don't just fill up every hour of every day with busy work to be done. You've got to build in buffer. We teach this financially around here. If you've been around for very long, you know this. 
We teach a, a fundamental thing in how you budget your money, and that is the 10-10-80 plan, that the first 10% of everything that ever touches your fingers and your accounts, the first 10% belongs to the Lord. That's a scriptural principle. It predates and postdates the Old Testament law. We call that the tithe. We give the first part to God. The scripture says if we mess with that, we're robbing God, so we don't mess around with that. The first 10% belongs to the Lord. The second 10%, just as a, as a wise principle, we say you save that. You bank that. This is how you build margin financially. Bank the second 10% and then leave yourself 80% to pay your bills and live your life and do your stuff with. That's creating financial margin. You need to practice the same principle with your schedule. You, you can't, if you're going to ever save, anybody who's ever done anything well financially understands, you can't wait and put the savings part at the bottom. By the way, you can't do that with your tithe either. Way too many people took, take everything I just said and they turn that upside down and they, they spend all their money on what they need, need to do and want to do and what they have to pay for. And then with what's left, they'll tithe and they'll save. And that plan almost never works. Because lo and behold, there's nothing left. You flip that thing upside right and you give to God first. You save second, and it's amazing how much the other 80% will cover when you put things in order, building in margin, prioritizing what matters first. Well, in our schedules, we have to do the same thing. I'm going to block off time every week to do things that spiritually help me recharge, like being here with you, being here every Monday evening with my small group, prioritizing what really matters and what's going to fill my tank spiritually. But right below that, You've got to build in margin that refuels you, that refills your tank. And here we are about to turn the calendar this week on a new year. I want to just challenge you. One of the best things that you could do in terms of planning your new year is right now, this week, you go ahead and block off your margin time. I'm looking at Sally Beck over here. She has already blocked off some margin time. What month is it, Sally? February. You're going to get to see that grandbaby for the first time. Blocking off time for the relationships that matter the most. Hey, and Jackie will tell you it's a fact. It, the stuff's already blocked off on my schedule because I, we can't wait to just see if we have some time along the way during the year. The only way we're going to get recharge time is to schedule it. So, man, I've already got different blocks of time. April, November, and other times that we know we're going to be able to to get away and recharge you have to schedule it and you have to schedule times for every week and every day quiet times aren't going to happen by themselves so they'll only happen if you schedule it you have to block off specific times buffer times and some of that isn't spiritual stuff some of that is just being practical do you have to interact with people with business people who don't build in buffer time you know it if you do. You know how you can tell? Because you have to wait for them. Doctors and contractors and oftentimes stylists and people that do your hair. and all, Some of those folks can be some of the worst at building in buffer time. They'll just book all these appointments with no buffer. And the net result is you sit and wait an hour for them. That puts pressure on everybody. You can't afford that, so you build a buffer time into every day of your life. Psalm 127.2 says, It's senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, fearing you'll starve to death, for God wants his loved ones 
to get their proper rest. In Ecclesiastes 10:15, Solomon said, "Only someone too stupid to find his way home." You got to love that phrase. Sounds like a, Solomon was a southerner. Only someone too stupid to find his way home would wear himself out with work. Now, this isn't in your outline, but you need to write this line down because it's worth remembering. The faster I go, the more margin I need. The faster I go, the more margin I need. Some of us are just wired to go full speed. If that's you, you're going to have to be disciplined to add more margin in there. The, The point is... Life is a journey, and it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not a 50-yard dash. It doesn't matter who's the fastest. What matters is who finishes well. Life's not about how fast you live. It's about how well you live. The fifth principle is this. We have to prune our activities regularly. I grew up uh, in a family that came from farming folks. I guess most of us probably did. My my. Papa Price, my dad's dad, was always a farmer. So when I was growing up, he had kind of retired from farming and just scaled back to be being a big-time gardener. But he had the kind of garden that could feed half the community. Some of you had those kind of family members through all kinds of stuff. And I remember when he shifted over and as a new thing started growing grapes. That was different. I'd never seen anybody really grow grapes in massive quantities. And I was curious to watch how he did that and was so amazed to see He was good at everything that he grew. And man, when it was the season of the year for those things to produce, those vines would just spill over almost down to the ground, these big, beautiful clusters of grapes. And I always thought that was cool. We loved going to their house because you ate well out of the garden. But I remember the first time that we went over after he had just pruned everything at the appropriate time of year and thinking, what in the world has he done? Because we're used to going out to the garden and seeing all these incredible, lush, Grapevines, and when he has pruned it, I'm not exaggerating, all that is left for each of those vines is a trunk and just enough left on those steel cables. I mean, you literally could put your fingers around that cable and around what remained, and you could just run your hand down the line. Everything else had been cut away. Everything that was green, everything that had hung off sides, it's gone. There's nothing but the trunk and the vine because that's what healthy pruning looks like first time I thought, it's like, you just killed all of your stuff. But lo and behold, he knew what he was doing. Because a few months later, all this new growth was there that was so productive. It's covered in fruit. If you don't prune it, it's not going to be super fruitful in the fall. And life is that way. You can bank on this. 2021, just like every year of your life, is going to be full of new opportunities for you to have to spend time and money in places that you haven't spent it before. Isn't it funny how that happens? You don't have to try for that. You don't have to plan for that. It's coming. Jim, there's going to be new ways that you need to spend money in 2021. Praise Jesus. We don't get excited about that. There are going to be new things eating up your schedule stone. It's coming your way. Prepare for it. The only way that we can handle that is if we're constantly pruning. We're going to have to cut stuff out to make room for the new stuff. My dad, he, he was pretty smart in the way he handled some simple things in life. He had a policy that he just lived by that if he got a new shirt, if he bought a shirt or got a shirt for Christmas or a birthday, you've got to throw a shirt out. You don't get to put a new shirt in the closet unless you throw one out. So 
It either went in the trash or it went to Goodwill or got handed down to somebody. But he, they had small, we had small closets in our house growing up. He understood the principle. There are limitations, so you're going to have, add something new. You've got to take something out. Your schedule's the same way. Anybody just live where you just have unlimited time on your hands and you're just trying to figure out what to do with every day? I don't know many people that that's the case. Most of us were pretty packed, so we have to be careful to prune things out. And the thing about pruning is you don't just trim out what's bad and what's dead. You're going to have to trim out some things that are generally okay. Some time that you spend on with clubs or projects or activities that in themselves, they're okay, but it's good stuff that doesn't leave room for the best stuff. Ecclesiastes 3.6 says there's a time to keep things and a time to throw things away. Hebrews 12.1 says we should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. We expect to hear in church, you need to get rid of whatever sin is tripping you up, and we do. What we don't expect is the first half of that, that you need to get rid of whatever gets in the way. Gets in the way of what? gets in the way of the stuff that matters the most, the relationships that matter the most, the opportunity to be free, to do ministry, to enjoy life, to actually have a meaningful relationship with God. I truly believe this. Most of us could cut out a third of the things that we're committed to and doing right now, and we'd be better off as a result of it. You reckon? I think that's the case. And by the way, if you don't have time to get everything done in your life, can I offer you a comforting thought? You're doing some things that aren't in the will of God already. Because there's time enough in every day to do the will of God. Isn't that a comforting thought to know? Everything that God wants you to do this week, there's plenty of time to do it. And if I don't have time to do everything this week, I can just take a deep breath and and relax and know, well, there was some stuff that was planned that wasn't the will of God, so there's some stuff that needs to be left undone or carved out. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 6.12, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. So learning to say no this year could be one of the holiest things that you do. Learning that no is a complete sentence. Nope. I appreciate you thinking of me. I appreciate you inviting me. I appreciate you asking me. But no thanks. I won't be there. For some of us, we cringe at the thought of having to say that, don't we? It stresses us. We are such pleasers. I might disappoint them. Yep, you might. But you'll wind up so much healthier as a result. Joshua 7, the people of God had hit a major roadblock. Even though God was planning for them to go in and take possession of the land and all these cities that they had not built, and suddenly they came to a screeching halt because somebody didn't get rid of some things that God had said needed to be thrown out. And the Lord said in in Joshua 7, I will not continue to help you or be with you unless you destroy everything I command you to destroy. You will not be able to defeat your enemies until you throw away those things. Do you realize throwing things away can be a holy act? Sometimes physically throwing some things out. Sometimes just in terms of our time commitments. It's a major deal, friends. You will not learn to hear the voice of God. You will not have time to follow the promptings of God unless you're willing to be ruthless to carve some things out of the way. Are you with me? Sixth and final thing, if you want to learn to build margin in your life, 
walk with Jesus and learn from him. If you want less stress and more margin for the things that matter this year, then learn to walk with Jesus. I'll close with the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. The Lord just keeps bringing me back again and again to these words from Jesus, beginning in verse 28. He says, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Don't you know that there are countless people in the Bible Belt that would say yes, yes, and yes? Folks who've been in church forever, just worn out. And, and unfortunately, a lot of them are just more tired because they went to church, and the church just wore them more out. Jesus says, come to me, if that's how you're feeling. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. By the way, that's what this series is about. It's about life recovery from a biblical perspective. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly there is no one who has walked the face of the earth who has lived out what i'm talking about right now more consistently or beautifully than jesus did and the evidence of that is the fact that as jesus went through every day of his life every time he encountered someone that we might if you had a busy schedule he has all these encounters that would have felt like oh my goodness you're interrupting me i've got to get so far down the road i've got meetings to get to i've got things to do i've got ministry to do if jesus had lived with that kind of perspective he wouldn't have taken care of most of the people that we read about in scripture but jesus lived with a healthy sense of margin and balance so he had room in his life as he's going down the road to, to stop and go, oh, there's Rick. Seems like Rick really has something in his eyes that I can see that he needs somebody to stop and notice him and talk to him and find out what's going on in his world. And he had room to then minister to people. I want to tell you, this is life transforming when you begin to walk with Jesus instead of just living by a busy, busy, busy schedule when you build in margin and you keep Christ at the center of that margin, it will be a different year in 2021 if you begin to practice this. So I have a homework assignment for you. And it's not going to add more to your load. This will be the easiest. It should be the easiest for some of you. It's going to stress you out to even think about it right now. But that will be telling if it does. This should be the easiest assignment I'll ever give you. Today, not one day this week, today, I want you to do one thing that reflects a commitment to building margin in your life. I'm going to give you some options as examples. Take a nap. Take a Sunday afternoon nap. Take a walk down at the bay. Drive down to the beach. Have a picnic. Draw a hot bath and sit in it till the water's not hot anymore. And just relax. Call up an old friend that you haven't talked to in a long time. And give them a good chunk of your time. Just enjoy listening and laughing. Build a fire in the fire pit and just sit by it. Not doing a thing. Refusing to pick up your phone. Go for a walk in the woods. Do something that is designed to disconnect, to catch your breath, and to just put a little something extra in your tank. Just as a little 
first baby step toward building margin. And oh, by the way, in any of the things that you pick, just be, you don't have to work at anything, but just be attentive to the fact that Christ is present in those moments. And his spirit might just speak to you in that time. Just keep a heart that's open to him while you do that. Can you handle that? I want to invite you to track with us through the next month as we learn to build some margin in that makes room for what really matters. Would you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Father, we thank you that you have a plan for our lives that is not designed to wear us out and use us up, but that it is for our good and for your glory. I pray, God, that you would help us to become a people who really do learn to enjoy life and to make the most out of life. I pray that you would show us just practical ways to take control of things like our schedules and our budgets. I pray that you would help us to truly do what Jesus said to begin to recover our lives. Lord, would you give us clarity about the people that by your plan and design that you want 2021 to be the year that we really press into these specific relationships. I pray that you give us clarity about the time commitments and the financial commitments that need to change, the things that we need to prioritize. And Lord, I pray that you would help us by the work of your spirit to put you and your, just a relationship with you and your kingdom agenda at the top of the list. We want to know you better this year. Why don't you just right now, from your heart, whether you're in the room or watching online, why don't you just pray a simple prayer, asking God to help you begin to recenter your life around what matters most. Why don't you just ask him to help you use this year as a year that you really get to know him better. Lord, I pray that this would be a year we would learn to know you, to know your voice, and to walk in what you have for us. We survived 2020. We do not want 21 to be a survival year. We believe you've got more than survival. We want to thrive this year as we walk in your will and your plan. And we just open ourselves up to that and say yes and thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I surely hope that what you heard was relevant and helpful and above everything. I hope that what you experienced today really helped your heart to connect with the heart of God. Now, if what you heard uh, for you stirred up any questions or maybe led you toward uh, some type of spiritual decision, maybe you want to talk with someone about something that's on your mind, I would love to hear from you. And so I would encourage you, reach out by email. At the bottom of the screen, you see my email address. It's mark at myfreedomchurch.net. That's not going to go to a secretary or an assistant. That will come directly to me. I'd love to hear from you and talk with you about anything that's on your mind. And if in the future you're in our area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at Freedom Church. But until then, we invite you to access all of the sermon material that you find online. Again, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Hope that you have a great day.